Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is a production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Here's our pastor, Brad Miles. Well, welcome everyone to the First Things First podcast. This uh, podcast, every week we have amazing, interesting, fascinating people that join us on the podcast, and and that's awesome. That's incredible that we get to talk to such amazing, interesting people. But my favorite part is that the people that we talk to, as amazing as they are, they're probably your neighbors here in Shallow Water, Texas. And so today is no different. I want to enter. We're doing something a little different today, and I and I'll talk about that a little more uh, later. But first, I want to introduce my good friend Kim Sanders to you. I'm so grateful that Kim has joined us on the podcast. She's been. Uh, she's been coming to our church almost since I was the pastor, pretty soon after I became the pastor. Um, and so it's been so wonderful, such a privilege and an honor for me to know Kim and to know her late husband and to spend some time with her her amazing family. And uh, so grateful to have Kim here today. Kim, why don't you tell everybody a little bit, give them the essential Kim Sanders. You know, okay. what do they need to know, you know? Thank you, Brad. You're welcome. Um, I am Kim Sanders. Yes. Um, John and I moved here over 25 years ago. Man. Yeah. Um, most of our time was uh, spent uh, when John was a lay pastor. Yeah. And so we didn't spend it on Sundays here in this town. Yeah. But we were in church, and then that changed with John's health, and we joined First Baptist, mm-hmm. and it has been an honor and a privilege to serve here with you and your beautiful wife and yeah. this church family. I'm glad you mentioned my beautiful wife, because the thing is, I need for people to know that I could pull that off. You know what I mean? Like, Amen. <laughs> I feel like people think more highly of me once they meet Amy and they talk to her because they're like, wow, Brad, you know, way to go. And I'm like, yes, I know. So, Amen. Yeah. yeah. I received that. I receive it in the name of the Lord. So, um, so Kim, we, we, we were doing a series that, uh, that ended a few weeks ago called Adopted. Okay. And it was all about, if you, if you came to church, uh, at First Shallow Water, those of you who are listening, if you came to church at First Shallow Water, you heard us talking about um, how Scripture uses over and over again this this uh, metaphor for adoption to describe what's happened in Christ Jesus for us. Like we've, in Christ Jesus, God has adopted us into his family. He's claimed us as his sons and his daughters. And so we, we, we talked about what that means for us, but we also talked about foster care and about adoption and about how God has called us. And I, I said this uh on, on the last podcast, but, um, you know, according to the book of James, right, true spirituality, caring for widows and orphans. So we as Christians are not trying to pray and discern if we're supposed to care for orphans. That question's settled. According right. to scripture, we are supposed to care for the orphan. So the only question we're asking is how? How does God want for us to be involved in caring for children who have been neglected or who have been abused or been removed from their families? We're supposed to be involved in caring for them. No question. So, right. so because we believe that, um, you know, we were talk, we've been talking about it, trying to connect people with agencies where they could get some more information and help. But, um, but uh, as actually Carrie Williams, who said, hey, Brad, why don't you have some folks who've actually done foster care and done adoption Maybe uh, maybe talk about their story, and, uh, and maybe that'll help people who are kind of praying through how they're supposed to engage with this whole thing. So that's what we're doing on the podcast today, a little bit different, but that's what we're doing. And so, uh, so I just want to, why don't you just start off by telling us that you have, you have three sons. I right? do. And uh, the younger two are adopted. They are. Okay. And t- so tell their names, tell a little bit about them. So Julian is 13, Mm -hmm. the baby. Uh, He's my hot mess. He does not, he does not appear to be a baby. That, that is a, he is a, he is, he's a tall, large young man. He is. So. He is. He's quite the man. Yeah. He's, he is ready to go. He He is. They hit that age and they don't, they stop looking like little boys. They do. He's at that point where he doesn't look much like a little boy anymore. Isn't that the truth? And that's really hard for this mama. Yeah. Well, it's happened since I've been the pastor. I I mean, it's just in the past like year. So anyway. It has. So Julian's 13. Um, We got Julian when he was literally 24 hours old. Wow. Um, Wet behind the ears. That's what we used to say. Yeah. Um, He was a tiny little thing. Uh, Well, actually, he wasn't. He was nine pounds, one ounce. (laughs) 
So, but he was literally one day old, straight to us from the hospital. Wow. And um, people everywhere said, all our friends that knew what we were doing would say, don't get attached. You will never keep him. Right. Babies don't stay. Yeah, right. Don't get attached. Uh-huh. So that's Julian, with how long he's been with yeah. us his whole life. He has literally never spent a night other than a friend with a friend away from us. He and never, he's about to graduate from high school. No, this is Julian. He's oh, the Julian. 13th. About Ju- yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he's only 13. He's, Zai is the yes. one who's about to graduate. Yeah. So Zai is our other adoptee, yeah. and he is 17, a okay. senior here at Shallow Water. Yeah. And he will be graduating in May. Man. Yes. He's my gentle giant. Yes. As spunky as Julian is, Zai's the calm, laid back one. He's calm, he's laid back, and he's got a really wicked sense of humor. He is so funny. That guy. I I really enjoy being around Zai because he cracks me up. You don't see it coming, but the little witty humor is (laughs) just like, what just happened here? (laughs) And, And... reigning homecoming king absolutely was that not precious it was awesome and i would just say the first homecoming king in the history of shallow water high school they'd never crowned a homecoming king i know so zai will always be the first one yes that's amazing always that's and he didn't want to do it (laughs) i know you told me you had to talk him into it yes he had me (laughs) calling the school trying to get him out of it so but he made it (laughs) No passing out. That's so right. he just didn't want to be up in front of everybody, I well, guess. He was hilarious. Like, he, it was amazing. Like, anyway, he, his personality is just yes. awesome. And uh, it's been such a joy. And I've been to camp a couple of times with Julian. Yes. And he's been in my group the past two years at youth camp. And so I've gotten to know him uh, pretty well. And what I love about him is that, you know, when we were, when we were at camp together, he really is... You know, a lot of junior high kids have a hard time they do. paying attention sometimes. But Julian, usually pretty locked and loaded and, and wants to learn and wants to hear and wants to talk about faith and about God and has questions. You know, like I can tell that he's searching and I can tell that he's really seeking after the Lord. And I, I know it's easier for me to tell when I drop in like one you know, right. than if I lived with him every day. But yes. but I I definitely sense that in him for sure. And so. and their dad had a very instrumental part yeah. in that. Um, John was the quiet, quiet type, but he always worked God into things yeah. at the ho- in our home. And um, Julian picked up on that. Ju- the, both the boys, you know, just praying with them from young ages and the things that they would ask for, it almost seemed different right. than just your average child, you know, what they needed. Yeah. And, but then after time went by that relaxed some, mm-hmm. you know, when they knew that all things were safe. Yes. So, but it's different. Yeah. But that's, I, our life has been so truly blessed yeah. by these two. Well, that's awesome. And we, I, I, I'm anxious to hear, hear more of that story. I want to back up though. And I want to talk, about how did you how did you discern that God was leading you guys into because you started with foster care is we that did right? we did were you because you can say I am foster to adopt right we want to adopt or you can say we're cool with just foster care which side were you guys on we first? really didn't know honestly yeah. I mean we went in blind literally and okay. um, we didn't know what we were being called to do we just were trying to answer the call yeah during that time though the radios uh, TV ads were just wall-to-wall we need foster families. We right. need foster families. We mm-hmm. need foster families. So we had friends that were fostering, okay. um, the Goulets, okay, and also the Bakers. Okay. Um, they used to be members here, but okay. they moved away. But yeah. Jana, I would go to her house and rock her foster babies, oh, give yeah. her a little break. And it was my Saturday thing. Uh-huh. I would just go and rock, rock, rock. And um, that's how I learned to love uh, this process. Yeah. It didn't come easy. You need You couldn't see. And she would look at me and she would say, you need to do this. And I was like, Oh no, right. I work full time. That yes. was always my thing. I work full time. <laughs> She's like a lot of foster families do. It's right. not anything new, Kim. Yeah. So she was very instrumental in planting seeds. Uh-huh. And that's where it started was just literally me going and relieving her for just a few minutes, rocking babies. Yeah. And she only took babies. She took a lot of drug babies. Oh, wow. So she, she had a hard time, you know, a lot of crying. And yeah, so right. just to relieve her for a few minutes. But that's where, I, that's where the seed was planted mm-hmm. was me literally just going to her house and rocking her babies wow. while my older son played with her kids. Right. So that's yeah. where it started. That's awesome. So 
talk about like that process because you're going over there, right? And you're, uh, you know, holding babies, hugging babies, you know, and uh, and so then like eventually you kind of feel the Lord maybe awakening your heart to hey, this is something I'm supposed to do. So where was John in this process? Like how did how did he? come to the same place that you were on. He was white as a ghost and going, what in what are you talking about? What in the world, Kim? Um, You know, because you can sometimes only see the hard things. You know, you're not seeing it through different eyes. You know how Mm -hmm. it will all meld together eventually. You're just seeing all the struggles. And and that, because that's what people talk about the most is the struggles. Yeah. But there's way more blessings than struggles, I promise. Mm. But it's hard. It's hard to get started sometimes. Yeah. And get motivated to do it. But once we decided, um, we were with Buckner yeah. in Lubbock. Yeah. And um, we started taking the classes, mm. um, doing all the prep work, paperwork, changing things around the house, putting locks on cabinets, all the things that you think about when you're having a newborn baby. Yeah. You know, you're going to lock that cabinet up before it can reach it, you know, right. but that's what you have to do to prep. Sure. And so we started with the classes and just getting our home ready. Yeah. And, um, that takes a little while. I think we, it was about six months. I'm not exactly sure of the time frame. It's been a while, but it takes a while to get through all that. Oh, yeah. And then you're licensed and it's like, okay, then you sit there and wait. Okay, right. what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> so it was, a, it was a frustrating wait. You know, yeah. I don't know if I thought the minute we were licensed, it was, they were just going to like, hey. Right. show up on your door. Yeah. yeah, that's not how it happened. But it, you know, it took a little bit and then we got our first call. That's what Carrie said too. You know, Carrie said... Like they were like in San Antonio on a trip or something, and they when they got a phone call, and yeah. so, and so you know they're busting back, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get back in time to you know, and and uh, that's just kind of how it was. You you don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. So, um, I love okay. I really appreciate you saying a couple of things. Okay. I appreciate you saying that you know a lot of times what people hear about are the hard things, you know, and and I I love how you put it that there there's way more blessing then there are, you know, hard things. Absolutely. And so, you know, I guess as a, as a mom who, you know, you're kind of now, you know, you're, you're closer to the, you know, to the, the time whenever both of those boys are going to be out of your house than you are when, you know, when them being born and first entering yes. your house. Right. Yes. So looking back, the fact that you can say that, you know, I think that's important. And I think it's important for people to hear and to know, you know, cause I, I agree with you. I think sometimes Sometimes we hear horror stories about it, you know, so we heard horror stories from our family. Wow. Not everyone in our family embraced this whole fostering thing, Wow! but we didn't know, like I said, in the beginning, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just trying to answer the call. Mm-hmm. And so, um, our family didn't embrace um, all of it, you know, yeah. Yeah. uh, some of them struggled with it. And then, you know, when our struggles would hit, um, then they would be like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Right. They would question, you know, and John and I would just keep pedaling and keep moving through whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And the blessings just poured in. That's good. We're going to come back around to that because one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, what were the things that happened that were great support for you guys? And then, and what were the other things were places where you probably needed people to step up? You know what I mean? So we'll circle back around. I think sometimes, there is, uh, there are issues in families because families don't always understand, extended families don't always understand what's going on. And in your case, uh, well, in the Williams case too, we're also talking about an interracial yes. you know, thing, which, you know, can be, you know, weird for, for some families, you know, I don't, so uh, there's a lot of layers of stuff going on sometimes whenever you're doing this. Is that, is that a fair? That is fair. Um, I was very, we were very blessed because mm-hmm. our family did not think anything about the color of their yeah, skin that never entered that never entered our yeah. but it could be for some I would feel certain yeah but that was never an issue for our family our family fell in love with our boys immediately yeah and we literally um we only fostered five total children oh okay wow. but we adopted two yeah <laughs> so our our ratio is pretty good yeah 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 so okay so who the first how long was it before you got to, you know, was I the one that you guys had in your home first or was it Julian? It was uh, Zai first. Okay. We got him on our anniversary that year oh, and he man. went to our anniversary dinner with us. That's and awesome. It was. Um, and Zai was with us from 
um, April the 8th until December the 19th that wow. year. Okay. And then he had to go live with an aunt. Okay. All right. So we lost him for a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so was he, uh, you had had other kids in your home before Zai came? We did. We had a brother, sister, um, who came to us and it was a very short stay, but it was one of the hard things. Um, yeah. They were with us two weeks and two days, long enough for us to buy a new car, right? Because we didn't fit anymore, right? Right, yeah. And um, so they were with us two weeks and two days and went home. And that night when the um, investigator drove off with the kids, I couldn't even go in the house. Wow. I was like, everybody in the car. John went went in and got uh, my purse, and we just went out of the house. And he was like struggling with, why are you struggling? Uh-huh. And I was like, those kids need help, John. I right. said, and we, you know, we did everything, but it was not our decision, but they went back to the tragedy. Yeah. And so that was our first placement, two weeks, two days. It was pretty short. Mm-hmm. And our next placement was Zai. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up too, because let's just talk about that for a little bit. Okay. Because, uh, you know, Carrie uh, and uh, Chris uh, Williams, they fostered a lot of kids. Like I think it's 15 was the total that came through their house, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but, but, uh, but they actually talked about that. They talked about how, you know, how hard it was, you know, to let them, to watch the kid leave. So how did you guys process that? Like what, how did you, how did that work for you as you were trying to kind of come to grips with that? Well, you, you've, you're told it can happen, right? You, you don't walk into a placement thinking I will keep this child forever. You yeah. don't know. You don't know. Um, and it happened, and I didn't know. I really, honestly, did not know how to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is very calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. He was, yeah. and um, so he he led our family in that. Yeah. Just that, you know, we did what we could. Right. Um, we were asked to take the children. We took them. We kept them as long as we were asked to keep them, and yeah. then we had to let them go because there was a different plan. Yeah. But in the mean, in those two weeks and two days, we prayed a lot over those children. Yeah, it was did. it was a hard placement. They were hungry. They were there were lots of needs, mm-hmm. and thankfully, the prayer and we had Buckner. Yeah. They were very instrumental. Um, I remember calling and speaking to Craig there and going, "Craig, what am what am I supposed to do about this? Right. You know, because we had some really bad behaviors and mm. we had no clue how to handle some of it. We had training." But it, it was tough. There were some tough things. And so we leaned on them. We leaned on the Lord. And took they took them from our home, you know, and took them back to mom. And we eventually heard that they were back in care again. Uh, but by that time, we had taken Zai. Right. And so we couldn't take yeah. them back. Yeah. Because yeah. the Zai and the little girl would have been the same age. And mm-hmm. we only had the three bedrooms. So, but they left us. And we made it through. Yeah, but um, it was with prayer, and we prayed for the kids a yeah. lot, yeah. a lot. I think one of the things you know, one of the things that strikes me about your whole story uh, is that you know, right from the very beginning, uh, it was it was all very simple for you in the sense that you felt like God was leading you to do something. You didn't have all the answers. You didn't know all the answers. You didn't even didn't even have really much of an idea what it all looked like. But you just felt like God was telling you to do it, so you just did it. We just right? did it. Yeah. So. So there's this, you know, the whole story is about you just having to lean into trust, into trusting God. And uh, and I would say, I believe that that's probably the reason why God calls us to do things like this, yes. because we need to learn that lesson. We need to learn to just trust him. But you also have to trust him whenever the caseworker is picking the child up and, and taking them back to their family. You have to trust, hey, I did what God called me to do. And God is faithful in the life of that child. And God, you know what I mean? So right. And he is. And his plan is better than our plan. Right. And because, you know, I can, in my little pea brain, I can think I can change the world with through this one child. You know, you know, (laughs) I've got this. I know. I know. I have got this. But he has a different plan, uh-huh. you know, and I still think about the that first little placement, that little brother, sister mm-hmm. that was so I'm like, where are they? You right. know, you yeah. c- it's not something you ever forget. Yeah. Maybe you can forget if you had a lot of placements, you would eventually not forget, but not as think of them as often. Uh-huh. But I think of them often. My family still says, oh, yeah. I wonder about Brayden and Brianna, right. yeah. you know, because that was our first experience and mm-hmm. it was a hard one. Yeah. Honestly, that night when we drove out of the driveway, I didn't know if we would ever foster again. It was yeah, tough. Cause it was that hard. It was that hard. Yeah. So, 
so you guys, you know, you, you pray about it. You feel like God's leading me to do this. And then you get your first placement and it's tough. The whole, I mean, from start to finish, sounds like it was tough. It was tough. So, um, so talk about, you know, from that time until Zai came into the picture, like what was the Lord doing on, in your, in your heart to where, you know, to where you were open to that whenever, whenever they called you about Zai and, you know, talk about that interim time there where you were waiting. Literally healing. Yeah. You know, because it was, it was, I don't want to call it traumatic, but it was in a sense. Yeah. Um, the sweet little four-year-old just had so many issues, you know, and we had bought brand new furniture for the, the room where they were going to sleep. She yeah. jumped on the bed until she shattered it in the middle of the night and John took it out and threw it in the backyard in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. it was a hard, hard placement, but God provided the healing and he made the, it made us feel comfortable with what we did. We tried everything. I slept on the floor beside her bed because she was just tortured by the night. Yeah. Um, but he provided the healing. He gave us the strength to say, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah. Don't say no, right. never. Just let, let him do his work mm-hmm. and just sit back and wait because we did feel a calling, you know, and we didn't know what we were supposed to do exactly, but we needed, we needed to have our arms open yeah, yeah. to the opportunity. Yeah. And I would say two things. Okay. Thing number one, you guys have n- no idea. There's no way to know how much of an impact you had on the lives of those two children. Like, you exactly. know, uh, clearly if God placed them in your home, and clearly, if he gave you the opportunity to love on them and to speak into their lives, right, and to pray over them, right. that that has had an impact. And you don't you don't have any idea how far reaching that impact was, you know, which is because I know whenever whenever they were leaving, you're probably thinking, oh, gosh, we didn't really get to do anything, you know. But 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 no, the Lord multiplies and the, the Lord had a purpose that you guys were to accomplish and you did, you know. So that's thing number one. I think that's awesome. But thing number two um, you know, God, God, then, you know, you guys came back to the same place. Hey, God called us to do this simple faith. We're just going to put one foot right in front of the other, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you had said, gosh, that was too hard. I don't think we'll ever do that again. I just think of the amazing blessings that you guys would have missed after that. Absolutely. You know, that decision to be faithful, even though things have been hard. Yes. Was what led you to all of these amazing blessings that God has given you since then. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And it was from March spring break that year was when we took Brianna and Braden. And then Zai came just the next month, wow. just about a month. So it later. wasn't even that long. No. And you're, like, again, we didn't call Bugner and say no more. Right. We just waited in the wings uh-huh. and it took about a month for that call to come. And when it did, I was like, okay, hold on just a second. I need to call John. Yeah. And he's like, go for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and look what we have. Yeah. Yeah. That our gentle John. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> he is. So, you know, th- that I think that's really a, 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 just a testament for us just in our lives. So if you're listening to the podcast right now, like, well, why, why do I say that? Of course they're listening to the podcast, <laughs> right? But those of you listening to the podcast, like this is just a basic truth about what it means to follow Christ all we are responsible for and all that God is calling us to do is just to surrender ourselves to his will simply. Right. And, and sometimes that's the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but when you, and, but sometimes also when you surrender to his will, okay, uh, you, you, he leads you into a place and you're like, Whoa, this is really hard or this is really difficult or I, you know, and you're, you're tempted to get angry at the Lord or you're tempted to, to be like, well, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. But, but when we continue every day, right. Mm -hmm. To surrender our, our will, our desires to the will of the Lord, he always leads us to blessing. He, the wilderness is always what happens right before the promised land. So uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that wilderness journey is the one that we have to be on to be prepared for when we cross the Jordan, right? When we get, when we get to that place where, you know, the Lord is leading us and, and we go through those seasons all the time. We're, we're, we're constantly moving into, you know, wilderness and out of wilderness. We're constantly doing it. Yes. So we got Zion April the 8th. Yeah. Our anniversary. Uh What an experience, you know? Um, some of some people who listen to this will know our gentle giant. Yeah. But from day one, that one called me mama. Oh. Uh, yeah. 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 He was he was home on day one. We had lots of comments from his caseworkers and stuff that would say, 
we've never seen one bond so fast. Wow, but he, yeah. he was ready. Yeah. He was ready for his next adventure, if you don't want to call it anything else. But, sure. you know, of course there were tears that first day. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. You know, he was ready for change. Mm-hmm. He, he knew there was something better. And, you know, we just trusted God and loved on him. And it was an amazing, it was an amazing transformation That's awesome. from day one. I mean, it was amazing. And how old was he whenever he came to live with you guys? Three. He was okay. right at four. All right. He was just about six weeks. He turned four. Okay. So, um, so right from the, right from the start, you you feel, feel a connection. You know, you guys know that, you know, there's a bond here, right? For, you know, early on. Yes. So. But but you're just fostering like like uh, when did you and how did the Lord kind of awaken in you? Hey, no, this is your son, right? I've he's always been supposed to be your son. I brought him to you. Like, that was I, the hard part. Yeah, because sometimes you don't you can't say you can't. You yeah. can't it's up to powers other other than us, right? You know. But seeing it now and seeing God's hand and the way He worked things out, mm-hmm. there was some doors that literally had to close. Yeah. So that he could stay forever. Right. It wasn't just like they love him, he likes them, it's a pretty good fit. Right. Let him stay. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. No. Uh, reuniting the family is always the first sure. goal. And let me say too, because people hear that and they're like, wait a minute, you know, they, they think that that's a, a bad idea or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But but let me say that, I mean, a lot of studies have been done on this. And, and overwhelmingly, we know that children being with their birth family is is the most healthy thing for them if yes. it can be a healthy place, right? Yes. So that's why they're so serious about working on reunification yes. because they know that that's the best situation, you know, for the child just from a purely, um, I don't know, taking God out of the equation, you know, if yes. you're just from a purely psychological whatever standpoint, we know that's the best thing. So it's not like they're... It's not like there's a reason for that, I guess what I'm trying to say. Right. So they want that. I yeah. mean, and, and you know, ultimately it's probably if it, if the parents can pull it off, it's the best for the child. Right. But in so many cases that just they, can't yeah. happen. Yeah, they just can't it do it. It just can't do it. And that was so but they tried with Zai. Uh-huh. Um he went to live with his aunt. Yes. Um in December. Yeah. And they said he was going December 1st. And I said, please just give him till the, the Christmas break. Let him say goodbye to his friends. Right. And we're going to cut this off when he leaves for Christmas break. Then he just won't come back in January. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened that year. And talk about a sad December. Yeah. Because About we Christmas. Ooh. But so what happened um, is... He had to go for visits before he actually moved there. Okay. And so I got to know the aunt a little bit. Good. Um, this is part of the real powerful story. I don't know if you can handle all of it, Brad. Yeah, let's do it. Let's um, go. So Zah's story is pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably not real unique, but it was a wonderful story. But um, his aunt was very open to us continuing to see him. Oh, wow. So um, she got him on the 19th. That was a Friday when school let out. Uh-huh. And um, she let us have him Christmas Day. Wow. Yes. So cool. So we kept him a couple of days, took him home to her. And then um, I called her in January and I said, my family all has gifts for Zai. Would it be okay if I bring them? Uh-huh. I said, we're going to go down there. This She's like, you can take him. Yeah. If you want to take him to see them, that is fine with That's me. Awesome. And we had a really good relationship. That's good. And so she let me take him and visit our family. And they just loaded this child up with so much stuff. <laughs> It's unreal. <laughs> I have the cutest picture. I'll show you something. That's good. Yeah. But he, um, th- so, but that continued to happen. She right. would call and say, my son has a tournament out of town. Can you watch him? Right. You bet your bottom dollar. Yeah. And I, she would, I would call her and say, I've got a three day weekend. Can we have him? Absolutely. So wow. we did this, but that was all in God's plan so mm-hmm. that Zai could keep in touch with us, yes. you know, and it eased our heart too. Yeah. But Unfortunately, for the family story, um, April came almost a year to the day, and there was an emergency removal from his aunt's house. Oh, and, no. and Craig, once again, called me from Buckner and yeah. said, Zai's coming back into care. Would y'all be interested? You're the only home he's ever been in. Right. And we're like, uh, yes. Yeah. So he came back to us. Yeah. But if we had just closed that door exactly. and said no more, you know, we're not going to entertain that. We can't. Then we would have we would have missed out on the best 
thing ever, the blessings yeah. of his life. Right. Because it was so, you know, it was just a precious moment mm-hmm. that I can tell you that um, John and I could see when we would see him in that interim where he was with them, that he was changing and not for the good. And we tried to tell people yeah. that they wouldn't listen to us. Right. You know, yeah. because that reunification is important. And they assume that you're talking about it. They, they, it's Emotions. hard. Yeah. They, they, it's hard for them to, to, to believe that you could be objective. Yes. Yeah. So, um, he came back to us and only, only thing we said now he, he's back to us, but I'm telling you right now, the next time there's going to be a fight. Right. That we're not going to just sit down and say reunification is the best thing because yeah. we're going to fight. Because it's already, you, he's already been they back tried. with his family mm-hmm. and, it, and it was not a good situation. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that was our only thing. We told them, bring yeah. him home, bring him home. That's good. But um, we will fight next time. It won't be an easy just. Right. But it, you know, it all worked out. That's good. And look right that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He stayed. So when he, when he came back, did you guys have other uh, uh, another foster kid at the time whenever he came back to you? Julian. That, okay, so you had already received Julian. Yes. So that's crazy. So, I know. so you, you, you've got Julian in your home and... You know, who came when he was just born, practically. And so Zai is already, like, as soon as he comes back, I mean, he's big brother Mm -hmm. already. Yes. Wow. Um, So Julian um, was a day old. And when Zai left us, he was about six months old. Okay. So... um, because he, we got him okay, the so day he after been, he was born. He'd been living with you guys yes. while I was there this whole time. Yes. He oh, was wow. with us the whole time, yeah. pretty much, you know. Okay. So um, he was baby. He didn't yeah. know he was missing Zai, you know. <laughs> but um, by the time he came back, you know, he was getting close to a year. Right. And so things were different. And those two bonded, mm. like, incredibly. Yeah. And our older son, too. Yeah. Talk yeah. about an amazing big brother. Well, and so let me, let's talk about that. Okay? okay. Because, and I also spoke with the Williams about this. One reason that I hear, and one reason why Amy and I, I mean, we've been through the, the all of the foster and adoption training when we lived in Oklahoma. And then mm-hmm. right after, about a year after we did that, then we were moving. And so, you know, so it's, it's been one of the, every time we say, hey, we're going to do this, some crazy thing happens in our lives. And then we, and we don't end up doing it so but it's always been on our radar you know always something that we think we might do so but one of the reasons why people say hey I don't know if I can do that they're worried about the impact that it's going to have on children that they already have in the home right so can you talk a little bit about how having you know foster kids in your home impacted your your oldest son and What's his, his name's John. Mm-hmm. So John Wesley. So, so talk, talk. Uh, I love that John Wesley. That's so good. Okay. So uh, so talk a little bit about about John about how that w- was for him. You know, he had been an only child for twelve years. Yeah. Um, and you know, it it was hard on him. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. Sure. But he embraced it. it uh, you know, there were struggles. I'm yeah. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. But right. he embraced it, and just like. The day that Zai came back to us, um, when Craig called me, not only did I say, hey, let me call John, you know, because this is a family thing. I called the school and I said, Miss Tammy, I need to speak with John Wesley now. Yeah. Yeah. They got him and I said, hey, this is the deal. Zai's back in uh, care Mm -hmm. and they're looking for a foster home. He didn't breathe. He didn't blink. Yeah. He said, bring him home. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He's, a, he's a good big brother. Yeah. And he still is today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you talk about some struggles. So is, is it okay to talk a little bit about maybe what some of those struggles were? A time and attention yeah, is, right. the, is one of the bigger things. Because you know, you've got kids in your home that require a, a lot of attention a lot. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Julian was a baby. It was like, right. we... you. I mean, one day you're just sitting cruising along and all of a sudden you have a newborn, you're in shock, you know, there's a lot of things that change that day. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's mainly a time thing. It's not really an attention thing. John Uh Wesley embraced that quickly. Yeah. Um, I have some of the sweetest pictures, him just holding the kids Uh after bath, you know, um, especially Julian, you know, mom bathed him, tossed him in a towel here, hold him for a second. He embraced it. He did really well, but it, 
so it limited us on sometimes some things we could do. Right. You know, not big things. You know, it's just like, okay, we're not going to go to the movie this Saturday because yes. I'm not going to leave Julian anywhere. Right. You right. know? And so that kind of thing. It's more of a time thing in your attention. It's not money. It's not what things that people would think maybe. Yeah. It, it's really that time and attention. Mm. But, you know, in our case, he adjusted well. You yeah. know, it was... It was rocky at times, not going to tell a lie because right. it was, but he did very well. Good. I think as well as any 12-year-old turning 13 yeah. could have done. That's a hard <laughs> there's, time, age. There's some other issues going on Yes. There. <laughs> that was already a tough time in his life. You know, junior yeah. high is brutal. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. But he did amazing. Good. He did amazing. So how do you think that experience has shaped him as a man? Like, what do you see in him as a man that you would attribute to, you know, um, you know, ha- having these two kids come into their into the family like that. Compassion. Mm-hmm. He'll look and see a child, and he, I mean, he's just melts. Yeah, I think yeah. it just taught him to be tender, uh-huh. um, in in observant. Right. Yeah. Um, because you have to look for things. You don't. They're not automatic. Some you know. Yeah, sometimes right. you don't just know everything. But he could pick out the slightest little thing, you know, and he would see where something was not right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he just became very observant at a very young age. That's awesome. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So for, for those of you who, if you're out there thinking, well, I wonder if foster care is something that, you know, might be for me, you know, I wonder if the, and, and here's the question that you should be asking, is God calling me to be involved in orphan care in this way? Okay, because <laughs> he's calling all of us that we're all supposed to do it. So, but is foster parenting the what God is doing in your life? And if it is what he's doing, right, then you should just do it. You should you know? do it. So, um, but but one thing you can, uh, you know, one thing, if we, all of us, when we have kids, it doesn't matter. All of us are trusting the Lord God with those kids, okay? <laughs> because I, it does, none of us, None of us can be responsible for, you know, protecting our children all the time, for raising our children. You know, I, I have made so many horrible mistakes as a parent, you know, and I'm so grateful that the grace and the mercy of God covers a lot of that, you know. Um, but but I've, I've, I told Amy, you know, whenever Carson was little, I was like, one day, you know, look, I know one day Carson's going to have to go to therapy because it's something I did. Okay. I mean, I know, I know. I'm trying not to laugh, Brad. <laughs> no, that's probably, that probably, had, but what I don't want, at least I want her to never question whether or not her dad loved her. Exactly. I want her to know that. So I, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but that's the one. But for us as parents, we all, there's this huge faith aspect to just being a parent. Right. And so, uh, and so, if if you're if you're worried about that, you know, in your about what the impact of having you know foster kids in your home is going to be like, um, let me humbly suggest, God is big enough to take care of that too. I mean, He can he handle is. it, and uh, and He already knows what kind of impact it's going to have on your family, and that's one of the reasons He wants to do it. You know, so you can trust Him with that. So that's that's all I would say about that. Right. But anyway, I think I think that's an important thing for us to remember sometimes, you know. It's amazing how we can be like, oh, I trust God, I trust God. And then, you know, w- this thing is happening, like, oh, no, I don't, uh, I need to control that, or I need to make mm-hmm. sure, I, you know, and we'll take back control over something mm-hmm. that we, you know, need to just hand over to the Lord. It would have been so easy after uh, Brianna and, and Brayden left us yeah, to just pull back. It was tough. Right. It would have been easy just to pull back and say, I think that was enough, mm-hmm. but that's not the plan that nope. God had for our lives. Mm-mm. He, um, John and I wanted more children. We were never able to have more children. Yeah. So he answered that prayer right? Yeah. through these two boys. Yeah. Um, some of the people listening to this will know my story a little bit more, but John passed away in mm-hmm. February of 21. Yeah. Um, I told the boys the day after he passed away, um, I told him, I said, you don't remember, and I'm thankful you don't remember. But there was a day that you desperately needed mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Desperately. Yeah. Zai had sat in the CPS office for hours uh, in them trying to find him a placement in local. Right. They could find something far. Right. But they were trying to find something local. Reaching out to multiple agencies. 
And John and I happened to get the call. Right. But I told him, I told the boys, I said, there was a day you desperately needed mom and dad. But God knew this day was coming mm-hmm. when I would lose, when we would lose your dad and I would desperately need you yeah. because I would be looking for purpose mm-hmm. and what God had for me. And so I know that that was his plan. Yeah. You know, he, he built a bridge. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he, did. Did. he met their needs and he met mine. Right. Well, and the, gosh, that's so true because I just feel like whenever God calls us to do something, we often imagine that we're, he's calling us to do it on behalf of someone else. Like mm-hmm. we're going to help someone else. That's how we think of, of it. But most of the time, usually what God is doing in our lives is way more profound <laughs> than how he might be using us in someone else's life. Is that know? not the truth? Yeah. It so, is. It's so true. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening, um, so, so John passed away suddenly at yes. work, right? Yes. And uh, one day he's, you know, rocking along doing his thing and the next day he's gone. Exactly. And which was tragic and, and painful for you, for your family. Um, but, but all three of your sons have really been, you know, a bedrock in a lot of ways in your life during this time as you've kind of come to grips with, you know, this new reality that you're living in. Yes. So each of them have played a different kind of a role, mm-hmm. you know, early on, Zai and John Wesley were like, mom, she's crying. What, what do I need to do? They needed to yes. fix everything. Right. Yeah. They didn't need to, me just to cry. Right. And Julian was the one he's like, I got you, mom. Just cry. Yeah. You yeah. know, just, just cry. Yeah. And so they each dealt with it differently, uh-huh. but the boys are doing amazing. Yeah, they really are. They that, are. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big thing, a huge thing to happen in anybody's life to lose your dad, mm-hmm. lose your dad, you know, suddenly like that. But these are also, uh, Zaya and Julian are, are, you know, they're, they're, they're not strangers to trauma. No. You know, uh, Zaya in particular, I mean, he was almost four when he mm-hmm. came to live with you. So, so another one on top of that, you know, um, but it's amazing to see the strength that God had placed in them through their dad. Yes. Right. So that when he passed, they were, you know, they had the foundation with which to, you know, withstand that. They you know, did. So he was very instrumental and he was a comical guy. Most yeah. people didn't know that because he was just <laughs> that stone face out in public. But when at home, he was comical. Yeah. yeah. And he dealt with a lot of things with humor. Uh-huh. But he instilled so much in them. He would read them stories at night, pray with them. Yeah. You know, we both did. It wasn't just him, but, yeah. you know, it was a great... But he was a part of it. He was, yes, yeah. a great foundation for both of them. Yeah. Great foundation. Yeah. So John West has picked up the torch a little bit, tried to help, you know, but mm-hmm. I remind him often that they need a big brother. That's right. They don't necessarily need him to. He has tried to help me direct, and yeah. but I always just remind him, you know, they need you to be big brother. They need yeah. you to be a sounding board if they need to call. Right. So, but yeah. the boys have been amazing through all that. It's always, I think it's always tough to figure out new roles whenever, yes. whenever something like that, whenever a person's like imme- suddenly removed from your family, mm-hmm. it's really tough to know, you know, what's my new place, right. you know, and it takes a little bit, you it know, does. to figure that out. But the boys are, the boys are all doing good. Yeah, they yeah. really are. They really I, are. I love, I love hanging out with them. They're yeah. all good folks. So, um, so now that we're, you've kind of talked a lot about how God worked in your life and how, you know, how he shaped you and then, and then what this has meant, you know, for you, you know, how, some some really powerful ways about how uh, how you believe God has blessed you and, you know, through all of this stuff. It, think about, though, if you would for a second, um, somebody out there who's saying, hey, I believe God's calling me to do this. You know, um, uh, what are what's some advice that you would give them? And then what and then also related what what kind of support? How can, how could, how could anyone listen to this podcast, come alongside and support and help a family who God has called into the foster, into the foster parent, you know, realm. So both those things. Okay. First thing I would do is I would volunteer. Mm -hmm. I would go out to Texas Boys and Girls Ranch. Yeah. Yep. I would go to Buckner. I would say, what can I do to help you? Yes. You know, they're not going to turn you loose and just like, here's, here's you a group of kids for the weekend. That's not going to happen. But they'll, they will set things up that you can do. Yeah. That right. w- you can get involved with the kids. Mm-hmm. You can go get licensed to respite. Yeah. And that is a definite need. 
I'll yeah, tell and you. Just respite care for those of you listening. That's you know when a when a when a like there was a family in Lubbock that had a foster child. One of their foster kids uh, was sick and had to go to Cook's Medical Center in Dallas. You know sometimes for two three days at a time. So respite care are the people who are you know, have been through the training or whatever, and they can come and, and stay with the other foster kids whenever the parents have to be yes. out of town with the foster parents. So that's what that is. And anybody can do that. There's some yes. training that you need to do it, but anybody can do that. So. You get the abbreviated version of the training. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. So what are some other things? That's- uh, volunteer. That mm-hmm. was the first thing. Um, just give. Yeah. You know, we tend to where we put our money. <laughs> Yeah. Where we put our money, that sort give the kids gift, go mm-hmm. find something to do right. for the kids. Um, just get involved. Yeah. That, that's the main thing. Um, it, it's really hard sometimes to know where to fit in that puzzle. Right. Because there are a lot of rules. I'm not going to joke with you. Yeah. It, there are rules, but just get involved, go get licensed, go get Whatever you need to do, wherever you feel like you can fit in that plan, go get it done. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a quick story about yeah. the respite. Should, should have done this a second ago, but um, I got really sick. Yeah. And um, I called John. came home from work one day, and the kids were at daycare and school. I called John. I was like, you're going to have to come take me to the ER. And he's like, what is wrong? I was like, it, it's happening again. I'm, I'm really sick. Yeah. We didn't have anybody that we regularly left our kids with. They were right. at school or daycare. Yeah. We didn't. We just didn't. So we, John takes me to the emergency room and he's pulling up at Covenant and he's trying to park. I was like, oh, no. You <laughs> and he's, go. he's looking at me like, what? I said, they're going to take care of me and you're going to go take care of the kids. Because yeah. if you don't, tonight they're going to strangers. Right. And I said, that can't happen. Yeah. So he left me. Oh. I was, he got to come up there during the day some, right. you know, but he was really nervous about that. And, you know, I'd call him and I was like, the doctor said this, that, you know, I'm yeah. having surgery tomorrow, oh you know? Gosh. And oh. so he was like, but he made it, yeah. you know, but that's the importance of respite care. Yes. So important that you have somebody that you regularly, your kids know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like scary. Right. Where am I going? Especially older kids who are more aware, you yeah, know, right. not ba- babies do pretty well, but somewhere that they go and they're familiar with so that those kids aren't traumatized about let's move them again. Yeah. They, you know, they may not understand. No, they, are, yes. I mean, they've already been through a lot of insecurity yes. and instability. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's one of the things I want to say about respite care. Cause it's so important. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to say about don't get caught up and trying to figure out what is the end story. Right. If you go into day one thinking, I got to know what's going to happen in nine months, you're going to be miserable, number one, and you're going to be doing and acting uh, things that are not helpful for the kids. Right. For six months, you're under direction from CPS or whoever you're they're They're directing every role. Yeah. And so you have to relax and just do what it takes to keep the kids yeah. safe and happy. Right. Because if you get involved in all what you think the, think the end's going to be, is this kid going home to mom and dad? Is right. this kid going to stay with us forever? Yeah. Can't um, think about that. You cannot think about the end. Yeah. Um, well, and Kim, that's, that's how our life of faith actually works. I mean, there's really no place in our life you know, Paul one time was writing to, I can't remember which letter it's in. I think it was Paul. I could be way off on this, but, but it was like, don't, you know, don't say, Hey, I'm going to go do this tomorrow. I'm going to go invest this money and do this stuff tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So you, you just got to take care of today. Yes. And and that's the way we're supposed to live the life of faith in, in all aspects of our life. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so obviously in this situation would be even, even more important to not try to imagine you know, six months, two years, whatever down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I didn't talk a whole lot about Julian, mm-hmm. but we, um, we had to pull out some bigger stops with him and lots of prayer because there right. was a court battle. Okay. Um, and John and I did not feel as if they were, had the best interest of him yeah. in mind. Right. And that happens a lot, uh-huh. but there is a court system and there is a process. Yep. And, um, my prayer warrior sister, I would call her and I would say, I'm headed back to court again. Yeah. Most, it wasn't that I had to testify. I just sat and listened, you know, most of the time. Yes. 
but she would p- pray for bands of angels to mm-hmm. appear because it was str- it was a hard it was hard for me to listen to it was hard for the parent it was just hard yeah. it was a hard but God prevailed you yeah. know we just gave it to him uh-huh. and let him do his magic yeah. if you want to say anything. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. just worked it all he did, out he did what he does he did what he does yeah. um and it you know I think I said in the beginning they said don't 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 anticipate him staying newborns don't stay yeah they go home mama's Uh gonna get it together dad's gonna get it together right well that wasn't the case for julian's parents it just didn't happen right but we know that now that was all in god's plan right you know and i had the honor and privilege to meet his mom oh wow yeah um he was baby his first Halloween and they had a little carnival for him and I got to meet her yeah. and this little angelic face. I was just like, and he looked just like her. Yeah. I left in tears Yeah, and, um, I loved her and I, I hugged her and I, I told her, I was like, I'm trying to take great care of your sweet baby. Yeah. You know, I just, I just, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. And, um, I got to the car and I was buckling him in after this little carnival thing and the caseworker come running out there. She's like, why did you say that? I thought I was in trouble. Oh, right. Literally, because she was coming running toward my car. I was like, what did I say wrong? You right. know, she's like, you treated her like a human. Yes. And she said, they don't get that very often. They don't. Yeah. And he, it's their lives a mess. Mm-hmm. But people forget that they are humans. That's exactly right. And she just loved on me. Yeah. And we cried together. But that baby looks just like his, his mama. <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, and when I look at him to this very day, I see yeah. his mama, that sweet little face. Right. You know, that life had just dealt her some hard, hard stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. She, too, probably should have been in care yeah, when she was young. Right. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I got off track a little no, bit there. No, but I, 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 you know, it's important to remember, you know, so Julian, uh, Julian and Cy, God, God formed them in their mother's womb. God, God knew them before the, the foundations of the world, right? It was God's plan always yes. that they would be a part of your family. They, they, they were your sons. No doubt. You know, from, from before they were even born, you know, God knew that he was going to do this. So none of this took God by surprise. He wasn't shocked by any of it. You know? None of it. Um, but, you know, there are these other people that are, that are connected to them that were a part of their lives, you know? And, uh, and, and, you know, they've been walking through their own stuff too. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, and so, you know, praying for those people and, you know, being engaged and, and, you know, being, trying to be a conduit of grace for those people. That's a big deal. It is. So, it's huge. And I think that's what gave her some comfort. Yeah. You know, just me being kind. Yes. Yeah. I'm not tooting my own horn here, no. but kindness goes a long way. Oh, yeah. It does. But she got to meet me. She seen where he was. She saw how I cared for him. Right, right, right. So I think it was easier for it her. Helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it And did. it's probably helped a lot of times since then when she's thought yes. back on him to, to know. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I know where, I know the lady. I mm-hmm. know where she is. I met her. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So, uh, a couple of things that you said that I just want to bring up for our listeners. Okay. Uh, for, the first thing is, you know, we were talking about all the ways that you can get involved with a foster family. Um, Amarillo's Angels, great organizations to get organization to get plugged into. What you do through Amarillo's Angels is they give you a foster family, and the, the, Amarillo's Angels covers the whole Panhandle, so this area is part yes. of the region. But um, they give you a foster family, and then once a month. You take that foster family a care package, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, you take it over there to them, give them some stuff that they need, you know, whatever those things are, hang out with the family a little bit maybe, but just, that's just a way that you can, you know, support a family that's engaged in, in foster care and support some foster kids and, uh, and you can give to, to them and help them out. And that's a, and a valuable way. You it know? is. Another thing that you mentioned, cause you talked about the court battle, um, uh, court-appointed special advocates, okay? CASA. CASA uh, that is that's an amazing organization, and uh, there's some training involved. Okay, but but what you what you're doing basically is you're the you are the liaison uh, between the 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 state and the foster family and the and the the kids. You know, you're the liaison for those kids and the justice system. Exactly. So, so you represent their interests. So, uh, so like you were talking about how you know you felt like there was a court battle that there were, things were happening that were not in the child's best interest. A court-appointed special advocate he stands up and says, "I believe 
I, I know this case. Mm-hmm. I know the birth family situation. I know the foster family situation. I go, you know, and, and this is what's best for this child. Yes. And, uh, and that is such a pivotal role and the, the time commitment for that, you know, there's some training involved, but, um, but you check in with the foster kid, you see him at school, you know, but it's not, it's, it's nothing like having a child in your home, right? You're right. You know, you're, so for a lot of folks, that might be something that you, that you could do if fostering wasn't what God was calling you to do. Maybe he's calling you to do that. It's much needed in yeah. our area because if they just have someone to speak on their yes. behalf, yeah. you know, not be so emotionally mm-hmm. involved. Well, and you've talked about how already, how some people in the system just assume that a foster parent is can't be objective, like that they're too. Right. So, so that's why court-appointed special advocates are so important mm-hmm. because they are objective, right? And 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 even when a foster family like you guys can be objective about mm-hmm. it. Um, the 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 powers that be judges you know other folks they tend to hear those costs of volunteers differently they do because they're objective and and they're not you're not they're not intertwined into the situation on on one end or the other and so so what an amazing ministry that you could have if you're out there listening what an amazing thing that you could do to speak up in in the legal system for a child who is at risk and remember that even Julian as young as he was he had a court appointed special right. advocate yeah. There, she read his case from yeah. front to back. She didn't just walk in there and say, I think this. Yeah. She read it. She made herself clear on what had happened, mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Right. It's not just the kids that can speak for themselves mm-hmm. or have an opinion that get an advocate. Right, yes. It's it, babies. The, the, every, every kid in the... Fo- yes. The goal is that every kid in the foster system would have a court-appointed special yes. advocate. I talked to Doug. Uh, uh, Doug Taylor mm-hmm. is a was a casa oh, okay. and, and he's still in touch with the, cause they give you a case and you followed that case all the way through. Like you, yes. you're, you're that person's court appointed special advocate all the way through and, uh, until they're, until they're adopted or until they age out of the system or whatever, you're right. with them all the way through. He still keeps in contact with, isn't that amazing? Casa. Yeah. He'll go and, you know, take him to lunch and everything. And I mean, this, the young man doesn't live in the Lubbock area. He lives a long way away. And every now and then Doug will just drive down there and hang out with them. Some still keeps in touch with them. So that's so nice. I just want to say that that's it. We're, we're going to put links for Amaryllis Angels and for Casa in the the description of this episode, and we'll also put a link for Buckner and Texas Girls and Boys Ranch. Both of those organizations can help you get involved and provide training for you if you'd like to be a foster parent. Yes, uh, they can do that. Uh, but they also there's a lot of ways that you can plug in and get involved. Uh, in supporting, uh, you know, children who've been abused and neglected through Buckner or Texas Girls and Boys Ranch. There's also a lot of other ways you can volunteer and get involved. Yes. With those are. So I'm going to put links in the description of this episode. Please click on those links. If this, if God is touching your heart in any way about this, right? Or let me just say it this way. If you look at your life right now and you think, you know what? I'm not really doing anything to impact the lives of orphans. You know, right. children who have been abused, neglected, who've been removed from their family. If you if you say, I'm not really doing anything, then let me just answer one question for you. God is definitely calling you to do something. Yes. Okay. Doing nothing for us Christians, not an option. Okay. Not an option. So, uh, so let's talk about what you could do. You know, click on those links, find out more about all the options, about everything that's out there. Find, you know, something that you feel like the Spirit's leading you to, and then do it. Just do it. Yes. Do something. Yes. If you start something little, mm-hmm. it will move you to something bigger. Yeah, who knows where the Lord's yeah. going to take? Who knows where God takes our small steps of obedience? Exactly. We don't know. We have no idea what that little piece will do. Right. We build a little bridge, mm-hmm. and we have no idea what that will do, how it will impact someone's life. Yeah. You know, you, you, the calling may get deeper for you sure, and clearer. Yeah. You know, the least you can do is do a little money, but then just plug in just little places that need just something, Mm -hmm. you know, there's maintenance out at the ranch. There's things that you don't even think about that there's areas of help, Mm -hmm. but you may go out there and do a little maintenance. Um, we did some front, I work at Texas tech Yeah, and our group went out there. We pulled weeds. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
We did. We pulled yeah. weeds from I, that little. I know exactly where you pulled weeds from because I saw somebody's going to pull some weeds out here. That's we good. pulled weeds. We did. <laughs> we sure did. There's just things that they, you know, you can help with. Yeah, right. And there were kids out there moving around. Sure. That, you know, they were helping too. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's, there's things that you can do. Yeah. You may say you have no talent. Mm-hmm. There's something you yeah. can do. And if you go to First Shallow Water, every fifth Sunday, we take a Give Me Five offering up. All of the money that we receive goes out to Texas Girls and Boys Ranch to support what they're doing. Uh, and also, uh, at least once a year, we go out there and we hang out with the kids and we have a, a homemade ice cream contest. And I mean, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. So, uh, so that's just that's at the, at the very low, lowest, easiest, most accessible level of ways that you can get plugged in. There's a whole lot of other ways. Click on those links, find out more about how you can plug in and get involved in, in caring for these uh, in caring for these beautiful, amazing kids. Mm-hmm. God's got plans for them. He, he loves them. He loves them dearly. And uh, and and I just believe that he wants for you and I to be engaged in the story that he's writing in these kids' lives. Amen. And I have no regrets. Mm. Our hardest day, I wouldn't take it away. Right. Yeah. Because it shaped us as a family. Sure. And, and it created a future for another. Yeah. I wouldn't trade a hard day yeah. for nothing. Well, and here's the other thing. Even with kids that are born to us, we have hard days. Yes. It's not like it's not like it's easy to mm-hmm. raise children that are born to you. I mean, we all, if you're a parent, you know what a hard day looks like. You do. Okay. So, and, and I'm with you. My two girls, I wouldn't trade anything. Right. Uh, I, it has been such a privilege and an honor to be yes. their dad. And we'll always be that. There's literally nothing they could do that would make me regret that I got to be their dad. Right. And so the same is true with with kids that God brings into our home in other ways. Yes. You know, it's the same principles that apply. Yes. So, gosh, Kim, we could do this all night. I know. One thing you said before we started is you're like, Brad, one thing I can do is talk. And and you and me together, that We're danger. Tragic. Yeah. That's <laughs> danger. That's danger. So uh, just as we close down, though, as, as, we, as we stop, I know you've talked a lot about John, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I just want to, uh, you know, t- just in these moments right now, like as you think about, you know, you guys doing life without John, what are you grateful for and, and what do you miss? Do you really want to know that? I do. Yeah, I wouldn't ask about it. Bless his little heart. Um, I miss his guidance. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing for me sometimes. You know, I'm the mom. Now I'm the disciplinarian. I'm the one who has to nurture. I'm the one who has to do everything. So I miss his guidance and his leadership in our home. Right. You know, he used to say, I'll answer to the Lord for that. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of how he led his life. I'll answer. Okay. So... You know, I just go through days, you know, I miss him. I'm like, what would John do? Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. It, you can say all those things. What would Jesus do? And right. I, I love that. Yeah. But he just led us with a steady hand, mm-hmm. not a hard hand. Yeah. And I miss his guidance. Yeah. Um, I miss him. He and Zai had an amazing relationship. Julian, too. But yeah. I have a picture of those two just sitting on the front porch. I took it from the inside of the house looking out. Yeah, cool. And because he was just a friend to them yeah. above a lot of things, you know. Yeah. He he was a good father. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I miss him. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I only got to, you know, be around him a few times. Uh, but clearly just had a huge heart, compassionate heart. And, yes. uh and boy, he loved, you know, I, 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 I saw him around Zai and Julian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, John Wesley, you know, uh, is out of the, out of the house. And so, you know, so, uh, at the time that I knew John, right, I didn't, I didn't see him around John Wesley, but, right. but boy, it was clear that he loved, clear that he loved his sons. Yes. No question about that. Not at all. So. He was so proud oh, yeah. of both of those boys. Yeah, all three of the boys. But you know, yeah. it was um, he when when I, I've never the man rarely cried. I right. mean, he could cry, but the most I've ever seen him cry is over those two boys. Yeah, yeah. you know, lost his father himself uh-huh. at twenty five. He right. didn't cry like that. Yeah, but when we lost Zai. I thought oh. I was going to have to get some glue for the poor guy. Yeah. You know, he was worse than I, you know. Yeah. And then when we had to fight for Julian, right. it was like he was a very quiet man, but the gloves, 
came yeah. out quick. Yeah, because he loves those yeah. boys. Yeah. He was ready to fight whatever mm-hmm. it took. Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever we had to do to make things right for him, to give him a future. Yeah. And what a legacy he's I left, know. your I boys. Know. And uh, and uh, just, you know, awesome to watch all three of them. And the way, you know, now John Wesley's got a little, got a baby, you know, yes. so he's he's raising, you got grandkids running around. So that's, that's you know, this is a good time. It you know, is. in in your life, but but you know all these things that you know his dad instilled in him. You know yes. he's now bringing that into his family, which we talk about legacy. That's that's one of the things that's we're right. talking about. It's so. the most important legacy. Yep. yep, it is. Well, thank you so much for this, Kim. I've really enjoyed talking. I always enjoy talking to you. So, uh, but I really enjoyed talking to you, and I really appreciate you just sharing. You know, it's not not always easy to you know to come in and share. Uh, a lot of things about you know your family and about all these things uh-huh. that have been going on and and uh, but I know that there's some folks out there that the Lord's been working on them you know uh, about this issue and mm-hmm. uh, and I believe that this conversation uh, is gonna is gonna help some people surrender to the God to God's call in their life to yes. do this and uh, and so you I appreciate will your never look back yeah yeah it'll be the most amazing thing yeah all right well listen I really appreciate it thank you for. Thank you for this conversation, Kim, and thank you all of you guys out there who have chosen to join us. Uh, we're so grateful that you did, and I, I, I know I hope this conversation was an encouragement to you, inspiration to you. I know it was to me, and uh, so y'all make sure that you check back next week. Uh, we have another podcast coming out coming out next week. You can go back and listen to previous episodes. We want you to we want you to do that. We've really had some amazing conversations. You know, we, we have. Really have. They're great. So uh, go back and listen to some of those. But uh, but uh, but listen, if we don't uh, if we don't hear from you next week, that's okay. We'll see you around town. All yes. right, y'all have a great time. Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you around town.